Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be called a friend of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm still disturbed over the clocks not being rolled back this weekend. I don't know who decided to change that, but I don't like it. Praise God. And I tried to announce it Wednesday night, and Sister Audrey had to correct me. Tried my best to roll the clocks back last night. There is certainly... Pardon? Yeah. There is indeed something about the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What a privilege it is to be here in His presence today. The songwriter said, What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Hallelujah. 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 He said, I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came in to my heart. And no dark clouds of doubt now my pathway obscure since Jesus came in to my heart. Hallelujah. I invite your attention this morning to Joel chapter 2, or as some pronounce it, Joel. Joel chapter 2, I'd like to read verses 23 and 24 in your hearing this morning from the New International Version of the Bible. Great Sunday school adult class this morning, as always. I always enjoy the word that it is taught, especially when it is taught very effectively, very thoroughly, and done in truth. Amen. Rain on us, Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord comes to us from the, through the prophet Joel as God speaks to his people and says, Be glad then, or be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain, the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Can you say amen? Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious Savior, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the precious, powerful anointing of your spirit that I feel in this place right now. I pray that you will help me today through your anointing, your power and your presence to articulate and to speak today the words that you have given to me for this, your people, that we today might leave here 
knowing that we have heard from you. And Lord, I realize that it is not by my strength nor by my ability or talents, but it is through your Spirit, thus saith the Lord. And I ask it today that you would anoint each one. It is in Jesus' name I ask it. And everyone said amen. Amen. And you may be seated. There is a chorus that the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir sings as well as we do on occasion that goes something like this. Rain on us, Holy Spirit. Rain on us in our souls. While we're standing here, send the Holy Ghost. Rain on us. Rain on us, rain on us in our soul. Hallelujah. Rain on us, Holy Spirit. Please allow me the latitude this morning to preface this message with the following. I notice as I studied Joel chapter 2 in preparation for using this as our launching point in chapter 2 verses 12 through 17, that the prophet has called God's people to prayer and repentance. The prophet is speaking to Israel and admonishing them and calling them to a time of prayer and repentance. And let me say this in hopes of helping all of us to take prayer seriously. When Joel was called to prophesy, the people were in sore defeat. They were in famine, as you'll notice by the text that we read this morning, and they were in despair with really no vision at all, or even not even a vision for prayer, if you will. However, Joel's sounding of the trumpet call to a sacred assembly opens to a prayer mobilization, if you will. If there's one thing that the prophet recognized through the power and presence of God, and that was he needed to mobilize Israel to prayer and repentance. Amen. He needed to mobilize them to the place and to the thing that would change it. Amen. Now, Joel does this, first of all, by reviewing the condition and helping the people to conclude that they had no other recourse but than to pray. Amen. Amen. And apart from divine intervention, he wanted them to understand they were in trouble. Amen. Other than divine intervention, Joel wanted these folks to know you are in trouble. Amen. And the second thing is by showing the people the pathway to prayer with fasting and humility. He said, this is the way to the divine connection. This is the avenue to which things can change and things can be different. And we can feel the reign of his Holy Spirit. Amen. And the third thing is by declaring God's promise if they would pray. Amen. Then we must note of these passages we find in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, 
we find and very familiar, and it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After they turn themselves to the Lord in prayer and fasting, as Joel has suggested they do. And then it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days. He said, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Can you say amen? And he says, and it shall come to pass. There's coming a day, he's telling them, it's going to come to pass. That whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and, uh, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant who the Lord calls. Can you say amen? And all of this leads us to Acts chapter 2, the birthing of the church, if you will, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to form a spiritually empowered, praying, ministering people. Can you say amen? amen? You see, His enablement will help us help others to pray with the same promise today that whatever the desperation of the circumstance, there is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. With all of that being said, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Corinth reminded them this in verses 19 and 20. He said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. A little reminder, a subtle reminder to the church at Corinth, just exactly the impact that the Holy Spirit had on them and what it meant. You see, the results of the Holy Spirit's filling us is nothing short of remarkable. I said it's nothing short of remarkable. For example, our bodies... This human tabernacle becomes a temple, if you will. Now, now stop for a moment and consider that. Don't just whiz by that truth as if you were on board a sightseeing bus and you just whiz right on by. Stop for a moment and grasp the reality that our bodies become a temple of Almighty God. Amen. And consider this marvel which all of the wonders of the world combined cannot equal. All of the wonders, if you were to take all the wonders that are in the world today, and there's some tremendous wonders out there. If you put them all together, they cannot equal, if they were combined, they cannot equal to the fact that we are temples of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, at the moment that we are born again, our bodies become a sacred sanctuary for the Spirit of the living God. Think about that for a moment. Let that soak in. We become a sanctuary for the Spirit of the living God. And beneath the facade of our flesh and blood dwells the purity, the power, and the perfection of the One who created and controls the universe. 
Ooh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not just who you are by name. You are the temple of the living God. Amen. He has transformed the frail dust of our humanity into holy ground for Himself. Imagine that. He has transformed the frail dust of our humanity into holy ground for Himself. Even the most venerated cathedrals with all of their statues and stained glass are nothing but empty shells in comparison to the grand glory of one Spirit-filled believer. Amen. To me, it is staggering to think that we are a living tabernacle for the Holy Spirit. It puts me in awe when I stop for a moment to imagine that for whatever reason, God chose to make His dwelling place within this vessel. Hallelujah. For whatever reason, without favor and without merit and without any way to earn that privilege, He has chosen to make His abode within you and I. Oh, that's mind-boggling. Nothing could be more intimate or more humbling than the miraculous truth of His holy presence within our sinful humanity. Hallelujah. Brother David pointed out that verse this morning, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. But thank God the Holy Spirit is there. For only He has the power to cleanse the money-changing attitudes from the inner sanctum of our hearts. Only He can make us right. Only He can change what is wrong and make it good and make it right within us. Can you say amen? Only He can bring about the Christ-like beauty that we see reflected in the things of the Spirit as is recorded in Galatians chapter 5, verses 20 through, 22 through 23. Amen. Rain on us, Holy Spirit. Rain on us in our soul. Hallelujah. I come to this pulpit today with the realization that it is altogether possible that by the time I have concluded this message today that I run the risk of being labeled as not upholding the truth by some of my friends and my associates within what we call the spirit-filled movement. I've been there before, so I'm not a stranger to that arena. However, I must preach what I know and feel to be truth in God's Word. Amen. And I must preach what I know has been revealed to me and given to my understanding. You see, and I say that because I am somewhat troubled. In fact, I'm very troubled at times by what I see in the so-called church today as it relates to the infilling of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues and what it means to the individual receiving this precious gift from God. Amen. You see, in today's church culture... Stay with me for a moment and watch this. I am going somewhere. You may not realize it just yet, but we are. In today's culture, it is fashionable to speak in other tongues. It has become, quote, unquote, fashionable. Amen. There was a day 
not so long ago. And I say not so long ago because it was back when I was a youngster and in my teens that when you would have been, you would have been labeled as being a heretic for such behavior as is associated with being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. You were associated with being of a lower class of society. You were not in the mainstream of the religious movement and, uh, but you see in today's charismatic and evangelical churches, it's in vogue to claim being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues, being demonstrative in worship. All you need new is watch the various channels among those religious networks on TV and you will find that everybody's wanting to lean to that direction. Amen. Now for those of you who think, may be thinking and wondering, well, what, what's wrong with that preacher? I mean, really, isn't that what it's all about? And, 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 but, but I want you to consider this. And I'm just going to step right out here and say it like it is and hopefully, you know, just let the chips fall there or they will. In today's so-called spirit-filled culture... I see a lot of exercise, but I don't see so much power. All down through the years, starting back many years ago, we would go to a lot of services where there was a lot of exercise, and there was what seemingly was associated with moving of the Spirit, but there wasn't a whole lot of power. Amen. Jesus told the disciples just prior to his ascension, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. So I'm inclined to believe from the Word of God that when we receive the Holy Spirit, as the Word of God has promised and the Word of God the Lord has poured out upon us, that we'll not only speak with other tongues and prophesy and visions and dreams and all the other things, but we will in fact have power. Amen. As the Holy Spirit has given me some insight and understanding, here's what I perceive just might be part of the problem for so many above and beyond what I have already stated. So with that said, follow this. You see, with so many people today, not only around the churches that you and I know and are affiliated with and associated with, but as we see it on a national scale, so many today, instead of seeking God and the infilling of His Holy Spirit, they are seeking an experience. We cannot seek an experience and expect to have the fullness of God's Spirit. We must seek Him. Amen. And when we seek God in His fullness, these things will be a part of our Holy Ghost filling experience. Amen. So, so follow me here. You see, it's, it's, they're, they're seeking experience. There are those who, they have a tendency, they, they want the prophecy part. Or there's those, I've had to deal with some in the last few years that really got into visions and dreams. I mean, every dream had momentous meaning to them. And I've watched it as it has led them down a precarious path of disaster because, friend, you must seek after God and not the experience. Amen. Amen. You know, they're seeking more for the experience of speaking other tongues and prophecy and, and visions and dreams and so forth rather than the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. I want Him to reign on me. 
Man, I'm telling you, I need it. Hallelujah. Not only is speaking in tongues a part of the working of the Holy Ghost, so also is the power to become a witness. Amen. Amen. The power of a changed life with the manifestations of the, of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit as well. It is all accumulative to the reaction to what happens when we are filled with the Spirit. Amen. Amen. To illustrate my point that I'm attempting to make here this, today, I, I want to direct your attention to a scene that's located in the third chapter of the book of Acts. It was shortly after the birth of the church and God was blessing and moving in a tremendous way. The Holy Spirit was poured out. As you recall, we talked about a little bit last week on the day of Pentecost. and God's power was moving. and We see the Spirit displayed as a witness through the church. And before I go there, let me remind you, when the believers received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost... And I just throw this in for a little food for thought. When the believers, when those there that day on the day of Pentecost received the Holy Spirit, no one had to tell them what they'd received. No one went around point you and said, you got it, you got it, you got it. I'm, I'm going to be real careful here. <clears throat> they knew exactly what they had received. When Peter stood up that day on the day of Pentecost and began to preach, he was telling those who were mocking and those who didn't understand what was taking place. He said, what you're seeing here is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. He didn't have to tell those 120 what had just transpired, friend. They knew by what they had just received that it was God all over them and it was the Holy Spirit and they had never experienced anything like it before in their life. Amen. I may be all right. Nobody's got up and walked out yet. <clears throat> when Peter, I saw, I already told you that. They were amazed. He told him what was taking place. You see, we grow in the Spirit by engaging in the same kinds of activities as those of the early church so that we too may become the kind of people who can consistently announce, consistently embody, and consistently demonstrate the kingdom of God among us. Amen. You see, the early church leaders described their walk with God in terms of athletic endeavor, if you will. And for the constraints of time, we're not going to go to the passages that relate to that, but you can look them up. Professional athletes build muscle by doing thousands of rep repetitions. Appropriate to their sport. Amen. And while we can never earn or merit anything from God, we can exert the effort necessary to build spiritual muscle and maximize God's investment in us. Amen. So let me share with you the basics that I think are very, very important and very valuable to our building spiritual stamina and building spiritual strength. First of all, it's studying the Word. Amen. There's fellowships involved in that. We need the fellowship of God's people. It gives us strength. Amen. Then above, I mean, then, then, then there's prayer. We cannot ever forget prayer. And we cannot ever push prayer on the sidelines. 
then they're sharing together and there's giving and caring for others. There's praise and worship and evangelism. All of these things are part of the spiritual repetitions that we need to do to gain spiritual strength. Amen. Amen. The church had no more but got off and running. And Peter and John were on their way to temple one afternoon. They didn't go and remove their membership from their local synagogue or the temple after they had received the Holy Spirit. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> they were on their way to temple about 3 p.m. in the afternoon for a time of prayer. Oh, yeah, they went to pray which obviously was a customary thing to do and part of the tradition because as you'll see as we get along here, and there was a lot of folks there that day that had gone that afternoon for a time of prayer. And this was in fact a traditional prayer time among the Jews of that day. And as they approached the temple, there was, as the Bible said, a certain man. Doesn't give us his name, doesn't give us too much information about his background and about his upbringing or any of those things, if what family he's from, it just says there was a certain man lame from his mother's womb that was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, and to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go in a temple, ask for alms. Now for nearly 40 years, as this man, was Bible reveals, was well over 40 years old, Whoever they are brought this man and placed him there at the gate of the temple so as to ask for help of those who would enter in and those passerby. Every day for year after year after year after year. Sitting there as each one would walk by and holding his small container, whatever it might have been to receive alms, he would ask for help and he sat there just as he had done every day prior to that and expecting this to be just another day in the life of a lame and crippled man and knowing that someone had taken him there and set him up and placed him there and at some point during the day, probably when temple worship and temple prayer had come to a close and most of the folks had gone home, then someone would come and pick him up and gather him up and take him back home again wherever home may have been. He sat there expecting it to be just another day in the life of a lame man. Little did he know his life was about to change forever. Rain on us, Holy Spirit. Rain on us. Watch closely as the events unfold that became such a mighty witness that 5,000 men not counting women and children, were saved as a result of what happens next. Peter and John had walked this path to the temple many times in the past. Every day, 3 o'clock, they walked to the temple for time of prayer. 
They had been there on many occasions, and no doubt they had passed this lame man on previous occasions and kind of not make eye, eye, eye contact and just kind of slip on by and into the gate and go on in for their time of prayer. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, just, just kind of didn't want to make eye contact with him because if you make eye contact, then that means they may want something from you. Just keep your head turned slightly so that there's not any eye contact. That way you can kind of... So, however, this day was so different. This day would change the course of history through the power of the Holy Ghost as they approached this gate, the lame man with his little cup, maybe with a little change in it rattled. I I don't know, I'm kind of reading between the lines as he always did, and he asked of alms of Peter and John as they made their way to the gate. And this time, though, it was different. The Bible says this time that Peter and John fixed their eyes on him. For the first time of all the times they passed by there, this time they stopped and they looked at him. They made eye contact. They seen a man there that needed something from the hand of God. He was just wanting a little financial help. Didn't have the means to work. I mean, he's over 40 years old. Didn't have the means to support himself. Mom and dad, if they were still living, was probably helping him out with whatever means they could. But he was asking of alms. And Peter and John stopped and fixed their eyes on him. And Peter said, look on us. Look. What's different today than it had been weeks prior and months prior and days prior when they would pass by? But now they had been rained upon by the Holy Ghost. They had been rained upon by the Holy Spirit and now things were different. This man who once probably used to kind of turn his face and his head away, hoping they wouldn't notice, was now looking for someone that he could see their life changed by the power of God. The Bible says that the lame man gave them his attention. Just as if he was expecting to receive something from them. He's probably, oh boy, this is going to be good. Little did he know he was about to receive the greatest gift of all. Peter says, sir, I don't have any silver. I don't. I don't have even, now I left my wallet at home. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. I really can't help you with what you're really wanting here. But I will give you what I do have. I will give you what I have. And that is the power through the presence of the Holy Ghost to say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He probably got this puzzled look on his face like, what? You've got to be kidding me. 
Is this guy a prankster or what? But it doesn't in there. Peter reached down and taken him by the right hand, lifted him up, and the Bible says immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Those wrinkled up ankles and feet that probably never grew much because he was blamed from his mother's womb, never had the opportunity to ever become a, a, a real working attribute of his body suddenly received strength and they became whole. Now you must understand, as I mentioned earlier, this was the beginning of a witness that would bring approximately 5,000 men, not counting women and children, to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This is the power of witnessing. This is the power that Jesus talked about that we would receive after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. Amen. As the Word of God reveals, Peter takes the lame man by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The Bible says he leaped up. Oh boy, he was saying, oh, what a day. What a day, what a day. The Bible says that he leaped up. He stood and walked for the very first time in his life. He didn't have to have training on how to walk. I can't imagine what that must have been like, and you've never walked. I mean, when we as toddlers, we begin to learn how to get our balance, you know, it's a rocky road. We fall down and we stumble and we, we, we crash and we burn and we get up again and we go through all of that motion. The Bible says that this man never walking, he just, Peter reached out, lifted him up, his ankle, his ankle bones and feet received strength, he leaped up and he stood up and walked. Whew, what a miraculous change took place in him. It says walking, leaping and praising God. As you might imagine, all the people saw this who were at the temple for prayer time and knowing who this fellow was, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had taken place. You know, they were jabbering going on, you know, they were what does this mean? What could this be? My goodness, what's going on here? And they were all filled with wonder and amazement. And all the people they ran into Solomon's porch. They were greatly amazed as you might suspect and as they run in there and, you know, they were talking amongst themselves, what does this mean? Peter took to the floor and began to preach. That's about like a preacher, you know. You give him an open door and he'll jump through it. Peter takes to the floor and he begins to preach. And what a message he preached. He said, this man... This man who not too many weeks ago prior was afraid and denied, you know, this man Peter who was afraid and denied Jesus Christ and was afraid of his shadow preached a message to the Jewish leadership that would simply light them up. In fact, he pulled no punches. In fact, after a time of preaching and reminded them of what they and their leaders had done to Jesus, Peter told them this. He said, repent. Repent. Therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so, the times, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
The Bible goes on to reveal that Peter and John were arrested and they were brought before the Sanhedrin Council for questioning as they, and as they say, the rest is history. There is power in the Holy Ghost. Far above and beyond an experience that so many seek after, there is power in the presence and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We must seek after God. Everybody go like this. We must seek after the Holy Spirit, not experiences. The experiences will come as a result of the presence and power of the Holy Ghost as the Lord God deems them necessary. Amen. I don't know about you, but I am excited about the idea of my body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Imagine God's Spirit, the pillar of fire, the burning bush, if you will, the thunder of Sinai taking up residence within us. Oh, you never thought of it that way, did you? Oh, yeah, the burning bush, the pillar of fire, the thunder in Sinai, <clears throat> taking up residence within mortal beings. It's downright thil- thrilling to me to think that this aging, not-so-cooperative body of mine anymore is filled with such an awesome presence. Amen. So let me ask you, as Joel pointed out to Israel through the word of the Lord, it's time, it was time for them to come together in prayer and repentance, fellowship. Let me ask you, what are you going to do? If you choose to be filled with the spirit of the word of God commands, then here's what we must understand. You say, well, preacher, I've been in the church for a long time. I was filled with the Spirit years ago. We still need to be filled with the Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. I'll preach about that some other time. It's an ongoing thing. We need a refreshing. We need a renewing. Oftentimes, we need to come back to the fountain. We need to be refreshed. Amen. Amen. Rain on us. Holy Spirit, rain on us. Not so that we can boast of how many has received the Spirit, or not so that we can lift up banners exalting ourselves, declaring, look what we have done. I, I've heard so many times down through the years those exalt themselves saying we had revival and we had X number received the Holy Spirit. But I would have to ask as I visited so often, where are they? Hallelujah. Where are they? Oh, it's, it's gotten so bad down through the years that there were those who attempted to teach folks how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, teach them how to speak in tongues and... All sorts of nonsense going on under the banner and the name of being filled with the Spirit. And all we need to do is seek God. Mm. 
Here's what we must understand. Until you and I as individuals voluntarily submit to control by the Holy Spirit of God, we will not be filled with the Spirit. Now, let me say that in terms like this. Until an individual voluntarily submits to control by the Spirit of God, he or she will not be filled by the Spirit. You see, this gives importance to the passage of the Scripture where Paul said in Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The words there that you present refer to the act in which one disclaims ownership of himself or herself. Discounts all rights to him or herself and acknowledges God's ownership and God's right to claim him or her as a person. Amen? We relinquish ownership to Almighty God. The same truth is presented when Paul says, Yield yourselves unto God in Romans 6 and 13. You see, this very act of which Paul speaks is the presenting is the presenting of or the yielding necessary for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am somewhat concerned with the fact that there are so many today of claiming to be God's children who have never experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives on a day-to-day basis because they have never come to the place where they are willing to surrender their own wills, their own ways, and their own wisdom, and their own goals and ambitions and desires to say, Lord, I'm going to step down from the throne of my life. And from this moment on, I'm acknowledging your right to my life to take it and to use it as you see fit. Amen. Amen. How many will be willing to say, Lord, I'm ready to step down off the throne of my life. And from this moment on, I'm acknowledging your right to my life to take it and to use it as you see fit. As you stand this morning, that's the price you will have to pay. That's the price we'll have to pay to be filled and saturated and endued with the power from on high. Are we willing to pay it? Are we willing to pay that price where we can say, rain on us, Holy Spirit, rain on us? While we're standing here, send the Holy Ghost, rain on us, rain on us, rain on us in our soul. That infamous day, as recorded here in Acts chapter 3 and 4, After Peter and John had been called before the Sanhedrin council and they had been warned and threatened and told if you preach anymore in that name, big trouble for you. Peter, this man who had been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost, said to them, you know, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. In other words, he said in a very diplomatic and nice way, y'all just wasted your time because I'm going to preach. Amen. He said, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and we have heard. Hallelujah.
I think there's some folks here this morning.